Hi, I'm Ian McAllister, and I'm back with a brand new invention. I'm Jimmy Adams, and I've climbed the almost highest mountain in the world, as a family. And I'm Sam Mags, and I've got a fancy new microphone, so hopefully everything sounds better for a fancy new year. I don't know. And this is Brainwaves, bringing you the best in board game and tabletop gaming news. And these are the headlines for the week of the 21st of January, 2019. We're plunging deep into Middle-earth with a new fantasy flight game. You can choose your own lawsuit with Netflix. And Mystic Horrors are nothing compared to Chaosium's Wrath. All this and more on this edition of Brainwaves. So hot off the press from Fantasy Flight is a brand new adventure board game for the Lord of the Rings series, Journeys in Middle-earth. Um, this is, think along the lines of Descent, Journeys in the Dark, a bit of Rune Wars as well thrown in there, Imperial Assault, um, also Mansions of Madness lately. This is an app-driven, story-led game for one to five players who take control of one of Tolkien's heroes. That's anyone from Aragorn to Bilbo Baggins, Gimli, a few pre-selected characters in this box um, to play through a campaign-driven game. I'm super hyped. I'm not going to lie. I really like this kind of thing. Is it is it Fantasy Flight, Sam? Is it uh, Lord of the Rings? Or is it both? It's, um... That's the thing. I'm not mega hyped over Fantasy Flight stuff. I just want to make that clear. It just happens that I really enjoy the stuff that they do make. And they happen to hold the Lord of the Rings license, frankly, you know. Um, and so I played... Around Christmas 2017, uh, me and my partner played a lot of Imperial Assault. We got really heavy into it. We bought a ton of stuff for it. Had a really good time. Um, And we're both huge Lord of the Rings fans. So something we used to do, which we stopped a few years back, is play the Lord of the Rings LCG. Something we really enjoyed, but just got a bit too much. Deck building just got a bit too rigorous for us. We weren't too bothered in it after a while. Um, But this is perfect i really really like the look of this yeah yeah it seems really interesting like it looks a lot like runebound to me that's the thing that reminds me of the most that sort of adventure game set in the worlds of Terranoth or fancy flight's own fancy world but it's got that app driven component as well which could be a really interesting addition to sort of drive the game forwards making sure that no one has to sit behind a a gm screen effectively and and drive the game and yeah i'd really like to try it out it does have a pretty hefty price tag though it does indeed so it's probably going to be about 90 to 100 pounds over here i guess it'll be 100 quid probably yeah yeah i mean you'll be able to get it for a little less than that and mansions of man the second edition had a similar price tag but yeah i think i'll probably be coming over to play your edition than rather than getting my own sam yeah a few um little mechanics for people just to know a bit more about the game uh we, we say goodbye to dice it's it's fantasy flight but no custom dice can be seen here it's entirely card driven combat um Ooh. so maybe think along along the lines of gloomhaven probably not the exact yeah same. it's quite quite an interesting sounding little card system there but you can read more about that on their site worth noting that it, it does specifically say it's a core set so there will be expansions uh, but it being a fancy flight property that's kind of inevitable absolutely yeah Well, it's a new year and we have a controversy brewing. Over the Christmas period, Netflix was rocked by the release of Black Mirror Bandersnatch, the dystopian TV series that emulated a choose-your-own-adventure novel of the 1980s. 
Careful saying that. Oh, I'm so sorry. Because what happens is Netflix is being sued by Choose Co., which is the company behind the Choose Your Own Adventure books. They're being sued for $25 million. The claim by Choose Co. is that viewers have been confused over the links between the two products. Um, I should state that in Bandersnatch there is a direct reference to Choose Your Own Adventure novels. And as a result of this, uh, it feels its reputation has been harmed. It's claiming uh, copyright infringement, uh, dilution and unfair competition. And they're seeking $25 million in damages or profits, whichever is higher. Yeah, this came a little bit out of left field, I feel. I didn't even realize Choose Your Own Adventure was a trademark. I thought it was just a reference to sort of fighting fantasy books of my youth and that kind of thing. Apparently, Ian Livingston has said on Twitter that he would have been quite happy for them to reference fighting fantasy for free. Um, so he should have really gone that route, Charlie Brooker. But um, yeah, it's a kind of an interesting thing that to have that license come i didn't even realize there was a license really to be had there apparently netflix did were in negotiations with choose Co, so they were aware of the license issues and whether that will come back up in court when they if they ever actually get that far will be interesting to see um at brainwaves we'll keep you abreast of any information that we find out and talking about the world of legalese it appears that chaosium have got fed up with their french publisher edition sans detour uh, they have suspended the license for this company to produce Call of Cthulhu games in French. They issued a statement at the start of December uh, saying that the license had been suspended because Chaosium themselves haven't been paid since 2016. Now, that is quite a lot of royalties that they are going to owe uh, Chaosium for all their products. They Chaosium have obviously come under fire a little bit uh, for sus- uh, for suspending the license because uh, Edition Sans de Tour were... We're fulfilling various crowdfunding efforts and various products in the Call of Cthulhu world, but uh, they have had Chaosium have had to restate at the start of January that um, ESD do not have the license to publish Call of Cthulhu games. And I looked the other day, and Call of Cthulhu games are still on their site, being sold. So we do warn anyone in in France or any of our listeners who are looking for French versions of the games, do not buy from Edition Sans Detour because you may not get your product and your money may just disappear until this situation is sorted out. Chaosium have stated that they are happy to help ESD fulfill their current obligations to customers and they do not want customers to go without their games. So hopefully some kind of resolution can be reached like this. I think it's very easy in the English-speaking world to forget that you know you do need companies that will, pro- will publish the, the translations. And mm, especially I- in the world of role-playing games where you're talking about very text-heavy games. I mean, with a lot of board games, especially a lot of um, sort of a worker placement style games, you see a lot of uh, graphics and that kind of... Uh, you see a lot of graphical language which where the rule book can just be translated and there's not a lot of text on cards. And there is a reason for that, which is it's just cheaper to do it that way. Have you boys heard of a game called Terraforming Mars? I think so. Never heard um, of it. It's from a company Stronghold Games. Uh, Jacob, Jacob Frixelius? No? No? Apparently it must have snuck in under the radar. And apparently it's very successful, you know. And news from Stronghold Games, from Stephen Bonacore, president of Stronghold Games himself, that there will be a Terraforming Mars legacy that is coming in either 2020 or 2021. I'm afraid this is pretty much all the information we have right now about it, as it was just announced. There doesn't seem to be any involvement from Rob Davio as of right now which may lead us at Brainwaves to assume that our previous claim that maybe the phrase uh, enter game here, legacy, 
was maybe a trademarked or a copyrighted. Doesn't seem to be. Guys, do you know what I like? Um, uh, uh, on you go. I'll tell you, I like big books, and I cannot lie. And I especially like Big Book of Battle Mats, which really should have been my uh, awards, uh, the awards show, but for some reason I completely skipped over it. The Big Book of Battle Mats from Loki, but Loki... Ooh, I gotta check out what the company's called. Hold on. I'd like to, yes, I'd like to insert a little note here that Ian will retroactively include the Big Book of Battle Mats in his best accessories of the year. Yes, indeed. Uh, Big Book of Battle Mats from uh, Loki Battle Mats was probably one of my products of last year. I really, really enjoyed it. It's a fold-open, uh, spiral-bound book of uh, square, square heck, well, grid battle mats that you can use in sort of Dungeons and Dragons or small-scale skirmish games. It's uh, a four, so it folds out to a three. Uh, and they do have a giant book of our match which goes even bigger as well it's a really nice product really clever and it's one of those things that you wish you'd sort of thought of that company is now back on kickstarter uh, with a reversible neoprene battle mat it's got space on one side and terrain on the other again a nice little product that sort of combines a couple of things together saving you a bit of space but also giving you a nice nice quality battle mat to fight on and yeah you should go and check them out the uk company and their pre- previous products have been absolutely fantastic I really like them. Go and give their Kickstarter a wee check out. You may recall that around September, October of 2018, we put out a special edition of Brainwaves. This was an investigation, as we called it, into the Dized app. We're now happy to say that Dized hit their Kickstarter goal over the new year. Um, their goal was £75,000, and they made, in over the course of the month, $113,000. Sorry. For those of you who are new to Brainwaves, uh, hello there, uh, and may not have heard our Dized Investigation special, um, have a listen to it, it's quite good. Uh, but Dized is an app which is hoping to do away with board game manuals and have videos that are fully voiced and occasionally fully animated that explain how to play a board game from usually you opening the box to maybe the end of your first or second turn. They're really accessible, really good for all ages, really really engaging for people as well so the one that we all had a little demo of was the king domino um tutorial ian taught himself how to play king domino using the dice app and had a really enjoyable experience with it they've since put on a lot more um tutorials on onto the platform since announcing that kickstarter and over the course of the kickstarter they put a put a few more games out there it's really worth checking out it is mostly extra uh, extra interactive rules they've got on there right now there are some extra tutorials and more of those will be coming because development tools are out there and companies are getting on board and starting to use them. So yeah, hopefully uh, this extra bit of money will see them develop more in the future, get a few more companies on board and push out some really cool things in the future. We'll be keeping an eye on it and keeping you up to date as that happens. Talking about apps and technology and board games, Ian, I think you've got some interesting news. Yeah, from CES, the Consumer Electronics Show 2019. This happens in Las Vegas in January of every year. It is a big blowout of the tech industry of all the things that are going to be coming out over the next year or years from a variety of tech companies. And this one in particular had something from Wazama. Now, our friends over at the Unlucky Frog tried out the Wazama board game console at UK Games Expo 2018. They seemed to be quite impressed with it, but there are a lot of sort of questions about how what it was going to look like when it came out price point that kind of thing with a lot of new tech price point is a particular 
thing to concentrate on. And in this case, it is going to be coming out for around $400. The board game comes with a 19-inch touchscreen, pawns, cards, dice, and a 26-tile surround that works with cards and connected toys. So it's got some RFID tech in there for interacting with sort of physical objects. For instance, it says here you can put a game card down on the surround and the associated game will launch automatically. Now, for me, I also honestly think this is a bit dead before it arrives i don't understand who this is aimed at sorry it's a 499 dollars at launch or about 400 pounds is it estimated at that price you can buy a nintendo switch with board games on it you can buy a really decent tablet with lots of board game apps on it yeah sure you're not getting the physical interaction with like cards and pawns and that kind of thing and also they don't seem to have any big publishers on board all their games there's like oya stones inspired by snakes and ladders this game is played using a dice to advance and cards to attack or defend Kubera, tactical and chance game. Fistful of Screws, role-playing game taking place in a junkyard where animals are the rulers. That sounds kind of interesting. But you have to spend £400 to experience it. Yeah. And there's no there's no name designers on there, no big companies that we can see. I don't it's, see this just, going anywhere. Especially because to be involved know. in the product, companies would essentially have to make, from the sounds of things, two different versions of their game. They'd have to make one game that is, I suppose, just a normal tabletop standard game, but then also one that interacts with this piece of technology, you know, yeah. whatever it is. So I, I really don't see this going anywhere yeah, apart you, you, from you, in-house productions. I, I, as I understand it, Wizammer were like wanting to like basically market it more as a toy so it'd be more in that kind of category it's a really expensive it's toy really expensive you can get a games uh, yeah. console for half the price you can get a playstation for 200 pounds yeah i mean not quite the same thing but yeah it is like it is sort of comparable sort of entertainment technology and yeah i just can, don't know i mean we wish them all really the best good board games for 400 pounds yeah 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 a lot of board games for 400 pounds <laughs> though less and less so these days I mean, we do wish them best of luck. Maybe maybe we'll be surprised, but it seems to me... I've seen a lot of tech like this over the years where it's just like, that's a cool idea, but who's it for and who's going to yeah, pay that price? I don't think it has an audience. Yeah. Sorry, folks. So guys, it's that time of the year where we all make resolutions, and one of mine was to reduce my collection down based on what I have played last year. I have just recently done that, and it's, le uh, it's left me with about 20 to 30 games at the moment, and I, it got me thinking about sort of what constitutes a collection, like what how big collections need to be. So what I'd like to talk about today on Brainstorm is how extensive does your collection need to be? Do you need hundreds and thousands of games to be a gamer, or is a small curated collection the way to go? What do we think? I think there's a danger of gatekeeping in that you're not considered a proper board gamer or indeed, you know, proper gamer unless you have a sh uh, shelves to with, you know, games totaling triple figures and yeah. you have you have this, you have all the latest Kickstarter. Again, it's what something we've talked about before the the cult of the new where you're you're only really wanting to to get and buy new games and after that you barely give them a second thought. Um I can't speak for Sam uh, my collection is about i'm gonna say about 50 60 games yeah see mine was mine was up towards that number but basically i just looked at all the games i'd played last year and i I put everything that i haven't played out in the corridor at the moment and thinking about signing off admittedly i'm still wait i'm waiting on some kickstarters this year so that'll go up by four or five thanks very much themeborn by the way the escape the dark castle collection edition is very nice just arrived the other day um but yeah i think like uh, I just don't get a chance to play games as much as I 
did and certainly longer experience games like i'm thinking about getting rid of mage knight which is a game i really like but it does take a long time to play and i just don't get a chance to play longer experiences as much as i used to so like my collection is veering towards shorter experiences what uh, what about yourself sam what how big's your collection so it's probably round about the same as jamie's maybe a little bit smaller i think but I'm, i don't it always gets a bit confused with with little games. That's yeah, we're not. Yeah, we're not. Like we're that. not keeping. A, we're not keeping an absolute running total. Um, but it's got I to am. be around forty to fifty easily, and yeah, I think I think the main thing here is why are you buying these games? You know, when you look at buying a game or getting into a new game, why are you buying that? How much are you going to get? How much play are you going to get out of that? Who are you yeah. going to play it with? You know, the, so much in my mind when I when I buy into a new game is, okay, so how many people are gonna, am I going to play this with? If, it's, if I've only got one person I can play this with, is it particularly worth getting? Because, you know, they might end up not liking it. I might like it more than yeah. them. I might not like it completely. However, if there's a big kind of community out there for you to enjoy that game with, then why not? I know, Ian, um, you talked a lot about kind of your very long decision over whether or not to buy Gloomhaven. Yeah. Yeah, that took a while because I needed to establish that I had a group of people to play it with before I dropped 120 quid on it. Um, and yeah, it's it, it's proved to be really good. We've really enjoyed it. I'm, I'm still playing with that group. Uh, we've got about 12, 13 sessions in now. It's it's really good fun. But yeah, I, I basically buy games for that group effect for well the a uh, couple of the people i'm playing with are in my sort of regular role-playing group and we also play board games together so effectively when i buy board games i'm asking whether i'll be playing it with those people and who will like it that's why i, I effectively i'm curating a collection for a group and i'm sure you guys are kind of similar i'm sure anyone is kind of similar like who yeah like sam says who you're playing with matters a lot how much play are you going to get out of a specific game. game you know yeah just because yeah that's what I was going to say. It is, are you buying this for yourself or are you buying this for other people? Um, and I know... If, 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 with most games, you are buying them for other people, effectively. Yeah, I know. And I I mean, I a lot of the games I have in my collection, I will freely admit, you know, I haven't played in maybe a year or two because the game I wanted to buy... No, it's, it's the game slow. I wanted... I know, Ian, I know. Don't judge me, please. <laughs> I, I bought them I for myself because I really like the theme and I've kind of been doing my job of kind of going, I want other people to play the game because they they've shown interest in that kind of thing previously yeah yeah i haven't actually bought any games for a while really the last thing i got into was was keyforge but then before then i don't really rem- i can't tell you what the last game i bought was um yeah. possibly escape the dark castle but that was back in like september I reckon. Yeah, I think. I think outside of Keyforge, Azul might be my last one. Obviously, I, I'm I'm keeping up with Arkham Horror, but that doesn't really count. As yes, it does. Game. I don't yeah. Think. Does it? So well, I, don't I mean, I, I actually I've actually bought Arkham Horror for a while. I'm actually a little bit behind on the packs at the moment. But yeah, so I, I'm I've sort of any sort of monthly budget I've got tends to be like an Arkham pack. Yeah, um, and and the latest something. thing that's piqued my interest, frankly, is the um, Journeys in Middle Earth game because yeah. it ticks a lot of the boxes of. So that's something I'm very much interested. I've already got a group that's three to four people strong to be able to play that with me ongoing. You know, does, so, does that include me, Sam? Because I want to play it. I've already got a group of people about four to five people strong that can. <laughs> 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 Um, correct answer yeah and we know who's going to be continuing with brainwaves for the rest of the year mm. <laughs> um so yeah that, that's my kind of little personal 
tick list, frankly, when when looking into buying a game. And also, is is there another place you can go to play this game that means you don't have to spend, you know, 20, 30, 40, 100 pounds on it? You know, have you got a very active local board game cafe who buys in all the latest releases that actually, if you just want to check something out, you can all yeah. spend three quid and sit down and play it. You know? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this before, like trying to play games before you buy them, especially with the rise in things like Tabletopia and Tabletop Simulator. And the Ryzen board game cafes, especially if you've got a local board game cafe, go and support them. Go and try that out. If you don't have access to that, then have a look on Tabletopia. There's a lot of free games on there that you can try out. Yeah, it's not quite the same as the physical experience, but you can at least get an idea if the mechanics, theme, that kind of thing are going to appeal to you, and then maybe plunge into it. This, this is especially so with Kickstars. Some Kickstars do have a Tabletopia or Tabletop Simulator version, and you can really give them a shot before. Um, before before playing some even put out like some of the smaller ones even put out a print and play version that you can give a shot of so that is worth checking out before before you drop money on a game because let's face it games are getting more expensive it is harder to have like a massive collection if you if, if you're a, a poor retail slob like myself and there's no there's no impetus to be going you know i've just started i've just uh put my first foot into the the deep lake that is board gaming um i must get an immediate collection you know what should i get in my collection and if you put it up on facebook as people seem to do and you'll get 300 games and you have everyone will tell you something different yeah and everyone will say you're getting this this and this and you know that is absolutely fine you know everyone's got their favorites of course oh pick the ones that are right for you and also if you've got a group what ones you know as we've said might interest you and your group because there's no point there's no point you owning games that you have put the money in for and you go i don't like this but the only reason i keep it around because other people want to play it i'd okay okay i'd like i'd like to do a little quick shout out actually in the middle of this brainstorm to uh the dice roll cafe in glasgow i was down at the dice roll cafe on sunday and yeah you know for uh for two pounds you have access to hundreds of games from really new things. I saw Pretzel Games uh, Men at Work to, yeah, I, I really wanted a game, except it disappeared very quickly. Um, you know, from that to Champions of Midgard to, to Pop-Up Pirate, um, which I haven't played in years and I want to play again. But yeah, if, in, if you're in Glasgow, uh, check it out because it, it's great and it seems to be a really nice community. Okay. Yeah, Kenny, Kenny, who runs Dice Roll Cafe, is a really nice guy. He ran the games library at uh, Tabletop Scotland last year. And he's, yeah, he's a super nice guy. He's uh, really involved in the community. Go and support him. I have not been through to Dice Roll Cafe yet, but I really must get through to Glasgow a little bit more and play some games with people through there, including this miscreant who's on the podcast. Yeah, maybe you, I suppose. Maybe, might give you a call from in town. Yeah. We'll see. But yeah, basically what we're saying is like, you don't need hundreds and thousands of games to have a collection there's a there's a, someone on twitter called board game minimalist who keeps his collection around about 10 to 20 games you could go even smaller if keep your but i think you should you should keep your collections active your collections should be played they shouldn't just sit on shelves board games are meant to be played and interacted with and i i'm trying to get to a collection where that is the case uh i used to collect game oh yeah that's the thing i was about to say earlier. i used to collect games uh to give, have examples of different mechanics serve worker placement economy that kind of thing and get have a good broad range of games i realized i don't really need that anymore 
I've sampled quite a lot of the, uh, the mechanics of those games, so I'm getting rid of a bunch of stuff. And yeah, just really trimming it down to a much leaner collection that actually gets played on a regular basis, because that's what I really want. I, I want games I can pull off the shelf every time, know how to play, and not have to learn new games all the time. Keep your collections lean, folks. Uh, don't worry about having lots of games. And yeah, keep uh, keep in mind that a lot of the time you'll be creating you'll be curating a collection for other people. Who are you going to play those games with? Keep that at the forefront of your mind as you build your own personal collection. Boom. In a piece of local news, a teen in Dundee has assaulted people with a hammer over a Dungeons and Dragons game, of all things. So yeah, there was a, a, a Dundee teen who uh, can't be named for legal reasons, was playing Dungeons and Dragons at his house, his mother and sister were present, uh, court heard that an argument about the game broke out and the boy's mum became concerned about his behaviour, police were contacted, uh, contacted at which point he picked up a hammer, threatened to smash any officers at any, saying, let them come. There is one wow. Dundonian who still draws breath. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. Um, I was a little annoyed by the article itself in the career to the point where I actually wrote a letter of complaint because they talked a little bit about Dungeons and Dragons being linked to, you know, the satanic panic back in the 80s, games being linked to sort of violence and, and people being detached from reality. That annoyed me a little bit, not talking about like the upsurge in D&D and how good it's been and how popular it's become, much more accepted in the mainstream. They could have talked about that kind of thing. Instead, they went down a different route. And that annoyed me a little, but that's just one of those things. It's a little bit of sensationalist reporting. As you said, sensationalist reporting. Don't, don't hit I your think... friends with a hammer over Dungeons and Dragons, folks. Yeah, yeah just, just don't do that. Yeah, it's it, it's it's just let's, let's just go on. Yeah, um, just game, folks. Right, Ian, Ian, uh, are you sitting down comfortably? Yeah. Good. Sam, Why? put the chains on him. No, oh, I don't like the chains. Yep. Well, we got more Monopoly news, Ian, and I'm not having you no! running roughshod over my over my Monopoly joy. I think that's we five have... casts in a row now. Oh, we're going to nice, <laughs> nice round five. Uh, we have Monopoly Pizza. Do you guys just want to go out. off and start a Monopoly-based cast? No. Is that, is that what you're telling me? No. Oh, we could. Oh, we totally could. Oh, we could. That must exist, oh, right? Really the internet being what it is. Yeah, anyway, we have Monopoly Pizza coming out in a large pizza-sized box. Can I say that this Delicious. is... Delicious. This is possibly one of my favourite board game boxes I've seen for a long time. It, it, it this is, is great. It is the size of, like, an extra large pizza. And the board is suitably covered in pizza-like design, so it's all covered in cheese and uh, pepperoni. And instead of collecting okay, property... Okay, I have to admit, that is kind of cool. Instead of collecting property, players will attempt to get colour sets which correspond to pizza flavours, like Meat Lovers, Hawaiian... <laughs> Oh, there's a little Pizza Chef miniature as well. There is a Pizza Chef Aww. miniature. There is a grater. There's a pizza um, cutter. There's a uh, meat grinder. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the game Salt ends pepper. when all the pizza spaces are purchased. Um, I know it's been five casts in a row. And, you know, it's always interesting to see It'll a game. It'll probably be six. It will be, it'll be six. Coming out. I'm, we're going to keep this going as long as possible because it's the game that keeps on giving. And they love to torture me. Before we go on this week's Brainwaves, we'd just like to give a little shout out to our latest anonymous donor. Thank you very much for uh, 
joining our Patreon, where you can be enjoying the extended version of this cast for only $1. Or if you like, you can also try out our Idle Thoughts podcast. That is that is myself, Jamie, and Sam talking about the games that we have played in the previous month. That goes out to all our $2 and above Patreons a month. And if you have a listen back to the last cast that went out on your stream, you'll find Idle Thoughts 1, which was from October last year. A little taster of that kind of thing. If you like that, Please do join our Patreon, uh, help us out. We are only $2 from our first target, which is to get $20 a month. That will help us pay for web hosting for both uh, the web hosting for both the podcast and the website. And we really appreciate everyone who uh, lends us a dollar there. We'd also like to thank our executive producers, Lucky Sparrow Gaming Cafe, still going strong in Glasgow. Go and check them out. They're great guys. Um, and yeah, you too can enjoy that, join, join them as executive producers by signing up to our Patreon. Go and check it out. Well, thanks very much for listening, folks. If you've enjoyed what you've listened to, then the best way to help out is to share the podcast and drop us a review and rating on iTunes. It really, really does help. You can also follow us on all sorts of social media, including Twitter, at The Giant Brain, Instagram, Giant Brain UK, Facebook, The Giant Brain. There's always our website with the fantastic blog written by Ian, giantbrain.co.uk, or get in touch old-fashioned now for email giantbrainuk at gmail.com anything you want to tell us good or bad send it over thank you very much thank you